Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hello again. This is Chris Lewis from the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, helping them and raising them to be strong, independent women. You know, today I am just elated to have a guest that I have seen from afar for quite a while. Dr. Thomas Phelan is joining us, and he has been working with kids, adults, families for over 35 years. He's a member of the American Psychological Association and the Illinois Psychological Association. But beyond that, he is the founder of One Two Three Magic. Now, some of you may have heard of this. I know I've read some of the books that have has been, have been put out in these last thirty five years. They are filled with amazing resources, tips, hints, things that you can just put to use right away. And I've wanted to be able to talk to Dr. Phelan for quite a while to be able to talk to him about this th- these resources that are available. But first and foremost, we're going to get to know him as a father, as we always do. So, Dr. Phelan, thanks so much for being here today. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? I am doing amazingly well. And, you know, I, I, I love that um, that we're able to talk today. We always start these interviews with an opportunity to get to know you as a father. And I know you're a father of two. You said you had a, a son and a daughter. This is the Dads with Daughters podcast. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about that relationship between you and your daughter. Now, every father when they have their kids, you know, the, the, the experience that they have with different kids are, are definitely, they're varied. And I guess first and foremost, as you think back to the first time that you found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter, talk to me about that. What was that experience like? Well, you know, we have two kids. The first one was a boy. And so the second one, back then, uh, we didn't know the sex before the birth. And so uh, I didn't know that it was a daughter until she was actually born. And I thought, well, this is pretty cool. Now we got a boy and a girl, and maybe we can stop now. This is, uh, we got one of each, and, uh, you know, let's go on from here. That's definitely a, a one point. I have two daughters myself, and, you know, but, and we stopped at two as well. But, but definitely, you know, I've heard that from other people too. They say, hey, I've got a boy and a girl. We can stop now. You know, we've got a, we've got a foursome and we're not overpowered. So that's definitely, that's definitely, there's a balance there in that regard. Now, as you think about the experiences that you've had with your daughters, with your daughter over the years, what would you say has been the most memorable experience that you've had thus far? Well, I think uh, there there are two, one, one good and one not so good, but one that was good is our experience camping together. She loved camping and uh, we'd go out west here to a park called White Pines. And I always enjoyed that kind of thing. And uh, so we had a very good time with that. The other thing I remember, which I don't know, well, I remember it because it was upsetting to all of us, but when she was little and she was four years old and going to a preschool, the bus would pick her up in the driveway in the morning. And she went through about a six-week period where she had some separation anxiety and she'd walk out every morning to the bus in tears because she didn't want to leave 
home. And my wife and I were thinking, oh, my goodness, what's going on? Are we doing something wrong? What's the matter here? You know, and it upset us and it upset her. But she was a little trooper. She'd go get on and she'd come back in the afternoon. She was fine. And then it disappeared. But that always stuck in my memory, I think, because it was so hard for all of us. You know, I think that that is something that a lot of kids struggle with, especially if they've been at home with mom or dad, you know, in those early years and they're going to a brand new place. They're, they don't know, maybe they don't have a lot of friends where they're going or they don't know the people that they're going to. So it's that, that fear of the unknown too. And I, I saw that with my own kids that as they transitioned in, but then they started making friends and they, they met their teachers and they, they got to be comfortable or more comfortable with the environment that, that it got better. Um, because there were times I remember my my oldest that we would drop her off at preschool and she'd be crying. And, you know, of course, you know, that that tugs at your heartstrings and you're seeing your, your kid crying and bawling. And, you know, then you're walking away and you're like, I can't turn around because I, I need them to be able to to move forward as well. So that I, I love that story because it's definitely something that I think every parent has to go through, whether it's mom or a dad. And it's it's a challenge. I mean, it's a hard it's a hard thing to sometimes I used to tell parents the the way that one way to deal with it is you have to deal with your own feelings and one way to deal with it is to call the preschool after you get back home or after you get to work or something like that and ask them what they're doing and the average anxiety time is about 82 seconds so they're usually fine they're getting along well and that's that really helps the parents feel more reassured and much less guilty you know i found that even at even now in some preschools they even have like secure webcams into the classroom for parents only so that they can see and make sure that their kid's okay. Um, And that's not at every place, but I mean, but some places have done that to be able to, again, ease the anxiety of the parents, especially in those early times to make sure that their kid is not, you know, sitting in a corner curled up in a ball and, 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 and crying uncontrollably, but, but that they're, you know, that they're doing the things that the class, that they're doing with their class. Now, going back to your daughter and, you know, you have had your daughter, your daughter's been in your life for quite a few years. Now there's, there's high times, there's low times. What would you say has been the hardest part about raising a daughter and being a father to a daughter? Yeah, I think the hardest part, other than what I mentioned, the the early years with the younger kids, I relate to them pretty well because I enjoy having fun with the little children. And what I found was bewildering is when they became teenagers. It's like, what do we do now? And it's harder to, what do you do with a teenager? They have their own friends and they like different things. They don't think, I I like kind of, slapstick humor that's fairly stupid and silly and little kids like that but teenagers don't get into that as much so i had some uh, years there where it was kind of hard to figure out uh, you know what how exactly should i be handling this relationship i totally agree with you there i have a 16 year old and an almost 13 year old and i've definitely seen what you just said and what works as a parent to a younger child definitely has to go through some adjustments as you have a teenager, even a tween, and you have to start to, that locus of control has to has to be loosened in some aspect. Yes. And hopefully at that point, you've gotten to a point where you can loosen the control and allow for your child to start having their own individuality. It's definitely not an easy thing to do. I think for any father to do or any parent to do, to be able to like loosen those reins 
And, you know, we went through an even bigger thing and, and you did too, you know, when your child takes that car out for the very first time and you see them driving away after they get their license and, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, are they going to be okay? Are they going to be ending up in a ditch? You know, it's a terrifying they, experience. It is. At least they have, at least most have cell phones these days so that they can text you when they get to their, to the place that they're going to be able to say, I made it. But it, it can it definitely can be terrifying. And that kind of goes into a question that I was going to ask you. Thinking back, kind of reel back the time that and when your children were either young or in their teenage years, what would you say was your biggest fear in raising a daughter? Oh, boy. My biggest fear in raising a daughter. I think back to the, the teenage years, my biggest fear is, I think my biggest fear is that she wouldn't be happy. I wanted her to be happy when she was a teenager, and then I wanted her to be happy when she was uh, an adult. So my fear was, well, I, I, I hope that happens, and I, I don't feel I have so much control over that anymore. So she's kind of on her own for number one. And number two, her friends have more influence on her in a lot of ways than I do. And so my role is I'm in a more helpless position, kind of like you were saying before, that you have to loosen the reins. You're forced to loosen the reins. You don't have any reins uh, half the time is the way it feels. So I think my, as my biggest thing is, is would she be would she be happy? And I think that that's something that we want, that all dads want. You know, they they, they want to create a environment, create a world where their child is happy, um, that they are, you know, grooming them to be able to to be prepared for the future and an uncertain future because, you know, the world is, is changing so quickly. And so, and it's so different than it would have been even 10 years ago. Um, and what it's going to look like even five years down the road is going to look very different than it is today. But hopefully, I mean, as your children are growing, that there are things that you put in place to be able to set them up for success and, and that happiness, that, that leads from that too, you know, building, helping them build relationships, helping them understand themselves, helping them to find the skills that they, they can to survive in, in the world, no matter how it looks. So I completely agree with you there. It's definitely challenging. You know, parenting is never easy, but it is very rewarding. And you definitely take it one day at a time, right? <laughs> now, I, I talked about this at the very beginning and that over the years, over the 35 years that you've been working with kids and parents and, and others on, on, on the whole topic of parenting, I mean, you have put out a ton of different resources, books and other things that have allowed for you to be able to create a, a place for people to go to be able to, to really come out with some tangible skills. As I said, it's called one, two, three magic. Now, I guess let's start at the beginning. I want to get a feel for where did one, two, three magic come from and what made you decide that you wanted to start down this path of being able to provide all these different resources for the people that you were working with or that you were going to be working with in the future? Yeah, there are really two things. So I started out as I went into clinical psychology. So I'm a clinical psychologist by trade. And there were two things that led to 123 Magic. One is when I first went into private practice, just kind of by chance or serendipity, I started getting a lot of referrals from uh, pediatricians. And uh, and these were kids, you know, they're not going to bed. They're fighting too much with their brother and sister. They won't do their homework. It's not always horrible pathological stuff. But I had to come up with some ways of helping the pediatricians and the parents to deal with these 
problems. And so, and that's when I hit on the, in, in, from talking to people in the office and so on, I hit on the, uh, to me, uh, revolutionary idea that parents talk too much. Uh, and so that's a big underlying notion in one, two, three magic. So the one was the pediatrician referrals. The other was my own home experience with my kids. Our oldest was uh, very difficult. The, the, our son, my daughter was not difficult child, uh, but he was, and he was our first introduction to parenting. My wife came from a family of five kids. I came from a family of five. We thought five kids is a nice number. After we had our first one, we thought one is a nice number. And so it was, you know, it was quite difficult. So I had to, you know, figure out how am I going to deal with him? And so the two things really sort of dovetailed. I had to come up with, you know, what's going to work at home, what's going to work in the office. And that's the the product of that was uh, one, two, three magic. And it's grown from there. As I said, I mean, you, you've created a wealth of different resources um, spanning different ages and allowing for people to be able to not only read books, but their the website alone has a ton of different resources on it about parenting strategies and more. And I'm going to put a link in the notes today for you to be able to access all of these resources because it is a wealth of information. If you've never read these before, if you've never seen these before, you definitely have to. Now, I know that in some of the the things that you talk about, you talk about the fact that there are three major parenting jobs that all of us as parents have to deal with. And one of them is in bonding with your kids and in, in being able to be able to do that. And and in some con- in conversations with you, I know that you've created and found that there are four as you say, magic methods to be able to yep. better bond with your kids. And I want to talk about those because I think I, I love making the the episodes that we have here today really tangible, just like your books are. And I think that we can provide some really great value talking about these. So I think the first one that I saw was that we're talking about how listening can be one of your most powerful tools. Can you talk to me about that? Because I know you said that as parents, we talk too much. Well, listening is very, very listening is one of the best ways to, to bond with people in our business. As you can imagine, if somebody comes in to see a clinical psychologist, what's the psychologist's first job? Is to listen and to find out what's going on. Listening is also very supportive. It's just a nice thing to do. And parents are always worried about: Do I? understand my children? Do I know what they're thinking? Well, you got to be a good listener. You can't be talking all the time if you're going to understand what your kids are thinking. So, and the other thing is when you, if you ever had the experience of somebody listening sympathetically to you, you you like the listener. (laughs) It's a very, it's a pleasant experience. And so it really helps kids bond to their parents. And it also means that kids can see you as a resource if they're in trouble or they're upset or whatever, hopefully they can see you as somebody that they can talk to, not somebody who's going to be trying to drive their point home all all the time or make their point to the kid or tell them to think this and think that and so on and so forth. Uh, The best way to start a, a conversation when somebody's upset, of course, is to be a good listener. So it's really, and it's hard, you know, these days you're talking about the world and the world changing and all this kind of stuff. I think parents now are so busy and so anxiety ridden during a typical day that we're, we're, we're moving so fast that we're not good listeners. We don't know how to relax ourselves for one thing, and we don't know how to relax and listen with our kids. And that's, that's really important. That's really too bad. It adds a whole lot to family tension. I found that especially with raising girls and daughters today, that as a father, I've got to do way more listening than talking and way more lis- listening than solving. Yeah, that's right. So solving the problems is one thing, but listening is another. And I've seen some research, maybe you have too, that 
talks about the average number of words that men and women speak during a day. And I saw one, I, I don't remember how accurate this was, but it said like the average woman speaks 33,000 words a day and the average guy speaks 11,000. Uh, so they're sitting at the dinner table, say husband and wife, and the wife says, uh, you're not talking to me tonight. And the guy says, I already used up my 11,000 words at work. It's kind of kind of silly, but but you're right. It, I think the, the women are more uh, invested in talking. It's a, it's a pastime. It's very satisfying. Guys, not so much. But it means for a guy, then, you, you know, part of your job is being a good listener and being receptive. Now, I know the second piece that you talk about when you talk about bonding with your kids is you talk about the concept of overparenting. Can you define what overparenting is and what the dangers of overparenting can be? Yeah, overparenting often comes from a parent who is anxious about the child or the child's behavior. And so what the overparenting means is the parent talking uh, and giving suggestions that in fact are not necessary. Sometimes your suggestions are necessary and they're helpful, but a lot of times they're not. So you have a, a nine-year-old girl, she's going to a birthday party next door. And before she leaves, you say to her, and I want you to be make sure to be pleasant to everybody, put your present in the pile. Remember the party's not about you, it's about Jessica. And I want you to say thank you to Mrs. Son. She gives a list of you know 10 things before the kid goes. Why is this happening? Because the parent is anxious and doesn't want the child to offend the neighbor. And, and that's just one example. But there's a lot of things that scare parents, and then that gets parents into lecturing. So it leads to what we call the anxious parent, angry child syndrome. So the more an anxious parent lectures a kid or instructs them, especially when it's not necessary, the more we get the kid angry and the more of a blow it is to the child's self-esteem. And this is very, very common. I mean, because you, you have a lot of anxious parents out there who are anxious about everything and the world and you know the news and this, that, and the other thing. And so they tend to burden their kids or harp at their kids. And the real relationship bummer. Well, I definitely see that with teens. And I, I think that I, I've not thought about it in the, the angry parent, ang anxious child, angry parent. Anxious parent, angry child. Yeah, that I hadn't thought about it that way. But that being said, I definitely see it in the relationship between a parent and a teenager, because I think that there is a lot of anxiousness when within parents. I talked about the fact of, you know, the kid driving for the first time or they're, you know, you're giving them more locus of control. But then that leads to overparenting. Right? right. And so for people that let's say whether they have teens or they have, you know, school age kids and they are finding that they're overparenting, are there some things that they can do to start making incremental changes toward that? Yeah, you look at two things. The first thing you look at is the expression on your child's face when you're doing it <clears throat> and see what you see. And if you see, you know, resentment, irritation, and not, maybe, then, then you do the second thing and you look at your own anxiety level and you're saying, who am I talking for right now? Am I talking to reassure myself or I'm talking to in some way that's really going to help my child? And what you usually find is that you're yakking because of yourself and your own anxiety. Uh, so look at their face, then take a look at your own emotional state uh, and take it from there. Now, I think that leads to the, the next thing that you, were that you have written about in regards to bonding with your kids which is coming to a, you know, the, the, the role of parenting and solving problems together. Um, talk to me about what that looks like and how parents can do better in that regard. Yeah, there's two methods, really. I think one is we call the family meeting, and family meeting is a get-together of everybody, follows certain basic 
rules, you know, about each, we used to do it in our house, we'd, each person would bring a problem to the meeting, and then the chairperson would go around and ask each person what's their problem, then we take them one at a time, the person would state what the problem was, everybody else give their opinion about it, we brainstorm, come up with a solution, write it down, try it out, and so on, and it sounds, you know, pretty easy and sounds pretty nice and all that. It's not nice and it's not easy. It's obnoxious. It's difficult to sit through. If you do family meetings, you will not enjoy them. Chances are. So keep them to an hour. Don't do them with kids that are younger than five years old. That's a good way to go insane inside of 25 minutes. But if you do them, you will come up with, you know, we were talking about who's drinking all the pop around here. Okay, where are we going for vacation? What about bedtime? You know, that kind of thing. And the the second thing, in addition to is one-on-one meetings with your kids. So you have a problem with a kid. The last thing you want to do is what we call a spur of the moment conversation. Just say, uh, sit down. I want to talk to you about this. You say, I'm concerned about your grades. Uh, When's a good time for you to talk about it? And then you sit down, you listen first, then you brainstorm, and then you come up with some solutions. So it's uh, tough stuff, and we're not trained to do it. We're certainly not trained to do it with our spouses, and we're not trained to do it with our kids but it's very necessary skills. So it sounds like some magic can happen. I mean, I'm going to use your word, magic, right? That some magic can really happen when you're having these conversations and then you're bonding with your kids. So where, where does that real magic happen when it comes to family bonding? I, well, I think the most magical tactic is the last one. And the most magical tactic is the shared one-on-one fun. And I mentioned before with my daughter, you know, camping and things like that. Uh, but there's two things about that. You want to be uh, with your child. This is teens or little kids. One parent, one child enjoying the same thing at the same time. We have a neurotic fixation in this country with family fun. And let me tell you what's wrong with family fun. There are two things wrong with family fun. One is sibling rivalry. Kids age uh, about uh, four to seven fight on average three to four times per hour. Okay, you want to go on a family vacation? There's your basic statistic. Think about that for a second. Uh, And the second thing is kids love and cherish individual time with one parent without the siblings. But in the United States, we we ignore that fact. You want to bond with your kids, get together with them one-on-one, doing something that you both enjoy. Don't do this family fun stuff all the time. That is not a great experience for the kids. And it's not a great experience for the parents. Uh, Sometimes it turns out well, but uh, the sure thing is one-on-one. You know, and I've heard that before, that making sure if you have multiple kids, that you are finding time to do things, as you said, one-on-one directly with them. And that each parent would have that opportunity to be able to build those special relationships and have those special experiences so that it's not a sh- always a shared experience. I mean, there's there's definitely opportunity for shared experiences, but that you have unique experiences that connect with the child on their level that allows for you to be able to get to know them better and be able to do things that they like that it's not just things that you want to do, but it's things that they want to do as well. I think so. And, you know, Chris, going back to your thing about the dads in particular, dads have a bonding deficit with kids. And it starts with the fact that mom carries the baby for nine months. Dad doesn't. Now, dad can sing songs through the tummy, uh, and that's that's not going to do much. Uh, Dads need help with bonding. And when you do the family fun thing all the time, a family expedition is usually run and directed by the mother. So dad's in the back seat. Moms also have different kinds of fun than dads do with kids. So if we're talking about dad's relationship with their children, the one-on-one thing is really critical to help dads make up some of that bonding deficit. They're behind the mom in terms of getting together with their kids. So it's a great thing for dads and uh, 
sons and daughters. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of this. Um, this has been amazing. It's been an, and the the tips that you've been sharing are great and definitely things that you can put into place right away. As I said, I'm going to put links in the notes today to the books and to your site and be able to allow for people to be able to see the different articles and such that are there. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call the Fatherhood Five, where I ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a parent. Are you ready? Okay. In one word, what is fatherhood? First word that comes to my mind is protection. When was the time that you felt that you finally succeeded at being a father to a daughter? Uh, probably when she was about, oh, maybe eight years old, doing something fun together. Now, if I was to ask your kids, how would they describe you as a dad? I think they would describe me as firm, as affectionate, mostly when they were young, as a little bewildered when they were teenagers. Now, you said that you have grandkids. How would your grandpa describe you? Her grandkids? Uh, fun. <laughs> Things change. Things yeah. change a bit when you after you become a grandparent, right? Yeah. Now, who inspired you to be a better dad? You know, it, it certainly wasn't my own father. Uh, he didn't know how to do any of this stuff. So I can't say it was him. And I don't think it was my mother. I think I have my, my brother and I talked about this once, have a um, natural gene that inspires uh, play and a great, great interest in play with small children going up to about age 10. As I, I see when I see my, my grandson and he's like two years old, just looking at him, it's time to play. And I want to be down on the floor. Uh, and when they're five, because they're great players and they just, they have sense of humor. They're fun. You can do all kinds of things with them. So I'd be exhausted at the end of the day because I played with them the whole day. I love that. And that's one thing that I have said so much to so many fathers is one of the best things you can do when your ch children are young is to be at their level. And that could be on the floor, you know, and as they get older, it's doing things they want to do and introducing them to things that you like to do as well. But it's making those intimate connections in that way and being able to put yourself sometimes in situations where you're not as comfortable, but it's it's definitely allowing you to be able to connect with them in a whole, wholly different way. It is. I tell you, I enjoyed so many episodes of SpongeBob that it's not funny. SpongeBob can definitely be fun. And that theme song gets stuck in your head. That's right. Now, you've given a lot of advice today, but if you were to give fathers one piece of advice that you want them to leave today with, and it could be about what you've talked about, but it could be something completely else. What advice would you give to other dads? Yeah, I'd go back to, you know, first thing is relax as the kids are getting up and enjoy them. It's going to go fast. They're going to be gone before you uh, know it. So whatever their age is, you want to focus on your relationship and you want to focus on having fun with your kids and listening to them as well. Well, Dr. Phelan, I, I truly appreciate your time today. I, I truly appreciate you being here and sharing all this amazing uh, w wisdom with all of us today. If people want to find out more about you and everything that you've created, where should they go? They can go to our website. It's 123magic.com. And as I said, I'm going to put a link right in our notes today for everybody to find Dr. Phelan. Dr. Phelan, it's been a pleasure talking with you and getting to know you even more. And thank you for all of the years uh, providing amazing resources for all of us as parents. Thanks, Chris. Good luck with your dads. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. 
And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be